Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. If my objective was to venture style stories into more visual and event-based mediums, what better than to land a place in the Vivid Sydney Festival? Honoured to be hosting Fashion's Flash, Back to the Future, Season 8 shares the style and stories of the forward-thinking talent who've joined me on the journey of producing this event, which will take place on June the 7th at the UTS Great Hall in Sydney. This series will continue to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but with a vivid team, united by their can-do views and dream big visions. I hope these stories help seek change, spark a new idea, or just inspire you to shine. Today, I'm chatting with Jodie Welsh-Chilbara, founder of Brogger Dance Academy and multidisciplinary creative working across First Nations arts, culture and politics. Jodie is leading the choreography for the vivid event Fashion's Flash Back to the Future and testament to her title of Mama Jodes, she's paved the way with constant care and clever consideration. Seeing herself as a woman walking in two worlds, Jodie's style has an urban edge whilst always paying homage to her Aboriginal roots. Never one to follow trends, but always one to dream big, Jodie is a true original and it's her style to let that shine. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Jodie's story. Jodie, we have been engaged with each other um, because we're working on producing this epic, vivid event together. Um, You on behalf of your company, Brogger Dance Academy. uh, And, you know, I know that in our connection of storytelling and and how we're going to um, put the event on, we're we're talking about um, a, a... a respect for our history, but also a really contemporary understanding of things. So I will get into more of um, your relationship to dance and and an exploration of Brolga, but I'd like to start off today by telling your story and finding out a bit more about you specifically. Um, Now, you're a proud Gaming Leroy and Matawari woman. Can you start off by telling me what um, what being from that country uh, means to you and what it meant to you growing up as a child? Okay, so it's um, um, <clears throat> a Gamilaroi Amaroori woman. Um, so they're, they're my, that's my kinship and my bloodline of where I come from. Mm-hmm. So we're northwest um, New South Wales and just over the Queensland border. Um, and so it's, it's my connection to my identity of who I am as an Aboriginal woman, mm. um, where my bloodline comes from. It's my cultural law, my my customs. Um, it's my connection to country and land as well. It's home to me. And and is it actually where you grew up? No, I actually grew up in um, Redfern. Okay. Yes. So I was born in Sydney. Yep. Um, and grew up in the Redfern community, but I continually go back to country. The greatest thing that I identify, or the biggest thing that I connect to, um, or when I feel when I actually know I'm back on country, is the the red dirt. Okay. You know, the, uh, we're desert people. Um, the flat country, the red dirt, the smells of the trees, you know, the animals. Um, the, I'm a river girl as well. So some of us are seawater, some of us are river. I'm a river rat. I love the river. <clears throat> I choose the river over the ocean any day. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah freshwater people, um, the food that we eat, you know, and things like that. So there's a lot of different things that 
where you know you feel at home mm -hmm. is when you're on country and things that signify or you can identify when you're travelling out from Sydney because the landscape changes for when you're, you know, when you're on your journey back home. Um, and then once I see that red dirt, once I get them smells of the trees, um, once I see a few um, significant sites along the way, I feel at home. Yeah. Mm. And so if you grew up in Redfern, then how, like, what, how often would you go back to country? I just got back from country yesterday. Yeah. 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 So I go back quite a lot. But as a kid, was it something that... Yes. Yeah, yes. Every yeah. holidays. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. back. Any, any chance that we get, um, we go back to country for, you know, significant events um, during the holidays. Um, sorry business, you know, mm -hmm. cultural things that we do as well. So, you know, any chance that we had to go back to country, we, it calls us back. But in contrast, you grew up in like one of the most urban yes. parts of Sydney. <laughs> yes. So what was that like for you as a kid to kind of have that urbanity and then, you know, that beautiful country to go to on your holidays? I, I guess I'm very blessed and lucky in a sense. I, I feel that I'm lucky um, because I'm able to walk into both worlds. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have, I've lived in the city where I've had a number of different great opportunities um, for me, you know, to be able to set up my own business, um, the education, um, learning to adapt and, and into diff two different um, environments, I guess. Um, you know, having being exposed to so many different cultures as well um, within Sydney because it is a very multicultural place. Um, and you know, having meeting so many different people and having those different experiences that we're ex exposed to in Sydney. And then when you go back to country, having having that gratitude and that connection to you know the, to the spirit, to the ancestors, to country, and really appreciating the quieter, quieter and simpler life. Um, I love to just sit in silence when I go back to country, just sitting out there under the trees by the river and just in my own space. Mm. And I really look forward to those moments, listening to the winds and the, you know the ancestors and the winds and the spirits in the trees, and just sitting by the bank doing a bit of fishing, um, and just sitting there and just really connecting. Um, and listening to the birds and the animals and everything. So very grateful for those times and I actually look forward to, to those reconnections. And in your childhood, did you, did you, were you aware of the balance that that yes. achieved for you? Yes. Yeah. Grew up very culturally strong. Mm. Culture was always at the forefront of everything we'd done. Um, even when we're in Sydney, like we cook our you know, traditional feeds, we make damper, you know, and all that type of stuff. My kids have always, yeah, I even bring my, my kids very strongly raised in their culture as well. So even though we do live in an urban life, we do still practice our cultural law and our cultural customs mm -hmm. um, growing up in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and you, obviously family is really significant to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, just following your social media, <laughs> you know, I, it's really apparent how... Um, how much family is important to you and you, yeah. I know that you're always expressing your kind of gratitude. Mm. Um, what was your family kind of situation? Was it just your immediate family that was down in Redfern and then your extended family? Had it? No, so um, our kinship lines is, is different to mainstream. Okay. So um, one example is my mother's brothers and sisters um, in the mainstream world, it would be my uncles and aunties. Yep. But in my culture, they are my dads and mothers. So I have a number of different... My mother is a, a one of eight. Right. So I have more than one mother and more than one father. Okay. Um, and their kids are my brothers and sisters. So we have a, a very extended um, family and a very huge family. And I grew up with all of them. Um, we all grew up in one big house in yeah. Newtowns. Um, and it was, eight, I think it was an eight-bedroom house. Um, and, you know, we all shared a room and, and things like that. So we all grew up very tight. A tight-knitted, um, unitted family, 
and yeah, it's we just we just cherish those family times, and you know, yeah. it's, you know, and we just come back from um, some sorry business, and just having all the family together, and it was just such a beautiful moment. Yeah, mm. and so in terms of like obviously being in that big environment, um, I think whenever I speak to people that um, are from large family, yeah, they there's always like a, a a unique way of kind of etching out their own sense of self in that environment mm. because there's a lot of like players, right, yep. <laughs> to kind of get the attention or differentiate yourself or what whatever it is. It means that, you know, you might be more creative or, you know, quieter or what have you. Yep. How do you think you fit into that bigger group? Um, well, a lot of them always call me the sensible one, mm. um, you know, like especially around, you know, my, my um, brothers and sisters and things like that. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the quieter one in a in the sense with some things, but I'm also the tormenting one that likes to have a laugh and a joke and, you know, um, likes to get under, you know, torment a lot of people and things like that. So I have that fun side of me. I have the serious side of me. Um, yeah, and, but I'm also the reliable one and the responsible one mm -hmm. where a lot of them come to if, they, if something needs to be done, um, I'm the one that they call or one of the ones that they call as well. And where do you sit in the pecking order? Yeah. Um, I'm sort of at the top. I'm one of the older ones yeah, right. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why I'm the responsible one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was reading an interview in, like, in preparing for our interview. Um, I was reading an interview that you've done where you said um, that you're inspired by the dreamers and the doers. Yes. And, you know, even just before I was saying to you, I know, like, you're a doer. That's that's yeah. really <laughs> obvious in, yeah. in looking at all the stuff that you've done, Jody. But um, are you a dream? Were you a dreamer as a kid too? Always. Yeah, I was always a dreamer. Um, when we were kids, we were very creative as well. Yeah. You know, like we used to do concerts on, you know, the dining table. My auntie or uh, my mother auntie um, used to chuck us on the dining table and we'll do, you know, the Supremes and Diana Ross and Tina Turner concerts <laughs> um, and a whole bunch of stuff. So we're always dancing, singing, creating, doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we're very sporty as well growing up. Um, but yeah, what I, did you play? I played practically everything. I played basketball. I used to do swimming, um, athletics. Netball, um, tennis. I played a little bit of tennis for a little while. Um, not so big on football. I never really. I was. I think I'm the only one in the family that really didn't follow football. Yeah, and I still don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Neither but do I? Too yeah. Much disarrayed <laughs> my brother. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, very very big on sport back then as well. And I I always I always have have been a dreamer. Like yeah. I, I have always been that that one that sees things differently. Mm. Um. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know, I just see things and I, I, I create and imagine things quite differently to other people. Like even when I look at pictures, I see things differently and things like that. So my creative lens in that sense is quite different and unique to a lot of other people. When you say that, do you kind of mean like, like even when we were talking about the Vivid project about um, seeing things as achievable when no one else can? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when people talk to me, like um, sometimes, you know, I, I, might, I might look like I'm off with the fairies, but I'm actually visualising stuff as they're talking to me. So I'm mm. actually visualising things and creating them in my head when people are talking to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm a very, very visual person um, in that sense. Mm. Um, so I, especially when I'm learning as well, I like to see things. I, I learn off being, you know, oral or visually yeah. or being proactive in learning yeah. instead of just sitting there and reading a book yeah. type thing. So I, I learn that way a, a lot faster. Um, 
in, in that sense as well. Yeah. Um, and it, as a kid, what do you what did you kind of daydream or fantasize about? Like if you, if you were thinking about your own future, mm. what did little Jodie kind of... Oh, little Jodie thought she was going to be everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to be a singer, I was going to be a dancer, I was going to be, you know, I was always in performing arts when, um, when, I, was, well, when I was little. I was going to be a sports star, I was going to be a rock star, I was going to be an air hostess, yeah. Um, yeah, teacher, you know, like there was a lot of different things. I never, ever limited myself even as a kid. Mm. Um, and even when I've grown up, I've just um, dabbled in a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, I, and I still do. I still love to learn new things. Mm. I still love to explore and I never put limitations on myself. Mm. Um, I think that's one thing that, um, that a lot of people do do, that they, that they follow one career and they excel in that one career and that's, you know, that's perfect and that's beautiful and each to their own. But I like to explore different things all the time and, and really challenge myself um, and see what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Um, and when I'm not good at it, I, I like to just be a bit more consistent to see if I do get do I, do have that gift of the gab for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so one of those things that you did explore, and this is just by virtue of the chat that we were mm -hmm. having on the phone, was um, you, were you a professional model at one stage? Was that? Oh, I did a little bit of modelling. I yeah. wouldn't call myself professional, <laughs> but I did do a little bit of modelling at um, one stage. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something that was professional. I, I don't classify professional, right? Um, but yeah, I did um, model with Samantha Harris at one stage, um, and just you know tried that out yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, mm. and and you you were saying that you're quite a visual person. Mm -hmm. What was your relationship to fashion? You know, because obviously it's a really um, for me a really yeah. strong. Uh, visual kind of storytelling component to someone's identity. Yeah. Um, what was your relationship to fashion and style as you were kind of growing up and getting older and yeah. you know dabbling in modeling? <laughs> yeah, um, I never I never was um, I never never followed a trend really mm. growing up. I always sort of you know just dressed how I wanted to dress and do what I wanted to do. I was never I sort of like um, just you know, express myself in different ways, and that's and that's what I really love about fashion is the, ex the freedom of expression, of self-expression, um, and, and you know, storytelling in that sense. Um, and still to this day, I don't sort of like follow trends. I just put on what I want to put on or what I feel like wearing for that day. You know, some days I could get up and I just want to be quite casual and things like that. And some days I want to get up and I just want to be so glamorous and, yeah. you know, shine, shine, shine. And just want everyone looking at me now. <laughs> and be like, oh, okay, that's nice. So, yeah, I mix and match with a lot of fashion. Yeah. I don't sort of trend, um, stay to a trend. Yeah. Yeah, in, in that sense. And that's what I love about fashion as well. And, and do you find... Um, this might be a stretch, but do you find that the kind of contrast between country and growing up in Newtown and Redford, because they, you know, uh, I imagine we're not dissimilar in age, mm. um, but... Oh, well, I'm 21. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so <all> my day. <laughs> I've got an 18-year-old kid. <laughs> um, but, you know, like even growing up, I, like obviously Newtown and Redfern has changed a lot yes. over the last like 20, yes. 30 years. But they were still a, a hub of kind of fashion and like op shops and um, kind of secondhand clothing stores, yeah. at which, you know, you still feel that presence today. Yeah. But did that influence you in terms of your own sense of style as you Oh, were... listen, we grew up with hand-me-downs. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like from the older sisters and brothers all the time, we didn't grow up rich. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was... 
it was just the norm for us. Yeah. Like hand-me-down secondhand clothes is just a total norm for us. And I still to this day love shopping at secondhand stores yeah. and finding a bargain. Yeah. I'm all for the bargain. I'm all for something different, unique um, that no one else is wearing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I love the hand-me-downs, love the secondhand stuff. Yeah. Just all for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so going into your career then, um, yeah. you know, getting into the doer part of who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, even, you know, we've talked about your kind of role within your family mm. with all the kids is that yeah. you were kind of a leader and someone that they could trust to go to. Mm. Am I right in understanding you did um, quite a bit of youth work? Yes. Did, is that where you started your career or? Um, yeah, so um, it was, I started, well, when I left high school, I actually started working in Department of Immigration. Okay. I worked for government. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Department of Education. Um, and then I worked for Holden, the cars. Um, and then from there I started working community and I started at the Metropolitan Aboriginal Land Council. Yep. So I worked there for, I think it was 10 years, um, working community, developing, you know, youth programs, family cultural days, um, and developing policies and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. I also worked at juvenile justice before that, sorry. Um, and in juvenile justice, I was in the executive team, um, creating programs, um, for the youth as well. And were like, they creative programs or um, were they? Yeah, it was like, um, it was it was programs to help them with their identity. It was programs to help them with their skills and stuff. So when they do get out, um, you know, that they would be able to fulfill a career or for follow, th follow things, um, mm -hmm. to explore different creative art forms as well. Um, and then I went to the Land Council and I worked for, there for over 10 years. And then I went to Gadigal Information Service, which is home of Koori Radio. Yeah. Um, and I worked on the Young Black and Delhi program, which was a basically a youth program that um, looked at music, singing, songwriting, hip-hop, dance and a whole bunch of other stuff, Broad, um, media communications, mm. certificates and things like that. So yeah, always had a passion um, to work with kids and that's where I, I feel that I get my youth from. Yeah. That's why I look young still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in that role, yeah. it, it, sorry, it was... Um, so in the role at the Gadigal Information Service, yeah. you you were there for not that long, you know, in the grand scheme of things before you, like you started as an officer and then was CEO of yeah. the organisation. Yeah, yeah. Obviously that takes um, a certain tenacity mm. and strength yes. to kind of go, yeah, I'm going to be CEO. Was it always in your vision? Like, is that part of your dream? Yeah, I'm going to do that. No, it wasn't. It was actually um, Brad Cook was a CEO at, uh, at one stage, and this was in my early stages yeah. of when I was working at Curry Radio. And um, he pulled me into the office one day and he actually said to me, he goes, you know, you could be CEO of this place one day. And um, it actually shocked me because mm -hmm. I didn't think that he looked at me in that, in that light. Mm -hmm. um, and it never, ever crossed my mind that I would be. Um, in that sense as well. Um, so that was the first time that that, that plant was sent, the seed was planted in my head, mm. that he was the first person to actually put that seed in my head. Mm. Um, and then later on, I become CEO of, you know, <laughs> the organisation. Mm. Isn't it, um, uh, I think, doesn't that just show you so much about the message that a mentor, like it could be one sentence yeah. to, and to make you believe that yeah. that's something that you can achieve. Yeah. And, and now you're, you're giving it back to, to mm. your kids. Um, but it, it still takes a bit of fight to get there. Oh, 100% and you have to have thick skin. Yeah. You have to have the thick skin. So where do you think that came from for you? Um, I think it was from my family. Yeah. My fa I was raised in a very strong 
um, family unit. Like a lot of them are very strong, ambitious. They were doers, you know what I mean? Like mm. I grew up around that. Like we don't sit around them and we grew up with, you know, they, it was really enforcing us about being strong in who you are, standing up for your rights. Um, don't let anyone push you over. And if you believe in something, just do it with 100% passion, dedication and do it from your heart mm -hmm. and you'll succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, so I grew up around that environment. So it was instilled in me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I had no other option or choice, I guess, in that sense. I, I knew nothing different. Yeah. All I knew is to just follow your dreams, do it and just have a go. And if you fall down, just pick yourself back up and go again. So you never, you never got, got um, like, you know, doubt can creep in. Yeah. And, and oh, you always have self-doubt, right? You always get, you know, you always get self-doubt. It's about do you feed the doubt, mm. what you feed it. If yeah. you add fuel to it, then, you know, you're going to have those moments. But if you don't fuel it and you just keep pursuing and keep going on then you, and you don't, you know, pay attention to it, then you live to, live to, better, to a better day. Yeah. You get up stronger and better. And you are going to have moments when, you know, you fall down or things don't go your way or whatever, but I take them as lessons. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I really take them as lessons and, I'm, and I, I reflect a lot and I look back at things and I'm like, well, okay, so what did I learn from that? Um, do I do it again? Do I not do it again? Where do I go from here? Yeah. And I just pick myself up and go again. And do you think that when you described your connection to country before, mm. it sounded almost quite meditative mm. um, and obviously quite healing for it you? It is. Do you think that that plays into your ability to be? Um, 100%. Yeah, so my skin name is um, Gunima, mm -hmm. um, and Gunima means Mother Earth. So that was given to me by um, the elders and it was given to me basically for the work that I do with our young kids um, and how young, young kids are drawn to me and I'm like a mother to a lot of kids. Um, so that's a good, I think that's, um, and we take on our, our skin names, you know what I mean? So what, sorry, our language when do name. you, yeah, yeah, when do you, does everybody get a, a skin name and, and when does, the, when do you oh, It get happens that? for different people at different times. Some okay. people are born with it straight away. Some people are given mm -hmm. to them. Some people have a few different skin names as they grow um, over the so years. Is, is it about understanding like the essence of you yes. and, and the visibility of that, yes. like the clarity like, of it? Yes. Right. So it's, That's you know, it's certain people give you the skin name. So that yeah. was given to me. So um, how old were you when you were? That one was given to me. I think five years ago or six years ago. Right. Um, yeah, it'll be something like that, five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was, that was given to me. And then um, it wasn't long after that I started Brogue Dance Academy. Right, mm. yeah. And I actually was out on country when I went when I started Brogue Dance Academy. I was in a, I was in a place of transitioning in my life and trying to figure out, I was in a little bit of a dark place and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and wanted, what I wanted to do with my life and just reflecting on my life at that stage and the purpose of it and things like that. So I actually went back to country to do some healing. Mm. Um, and I went out to Gaduga to the, they just opened the Altesian bars out there. So I went back out to country um, and where the Altesian bars are is the story of the Brolga, where the Brolga come down landed and the Brolga is our law for dance. Um, and I was sitting there and I was just like, okay. So I had, a, I could feel this connection with, with where we, where, we, where we were at, like the dance, the brawler and everything like that. So then I was driving around, I went to a, a number of different places, um, like Bree Warren, I went to Walgut, to all, all the different homelands that mm. we were from. Mm. And then I went back to um, Tamworth, I stayed, went to my sister girl's house. And I went to sleep and, I, and during those, those moments of travelling, um, I went to the Gunimar tree, I went to um, a, a number of different women's sites and things like that. 
and just really reconnected with with me trying to be a strong black woman. Mm. Um, and then I was having like different visions and things like that on the trip and different experiences um, from our ancestors through the whole time that I was there. And then I went to Tamworth and it was the, um, I was coming to the stage of going back to Sydney because it was the first time I'd ever been away from my kids. Mm. Um, and that was quite a challenge in itself for me, having that disconnection from my kids, especially my son when he was just quite young. And I went to sleep and then I woke up and then I turned to my um, sister girl, which is like a friend, um, a country, uh, country girlfriend, and then I said to her, I said, oh, I'm going to go back to Sydney now and um, I'm going to start my own dance academy and I'm going to call it Rolver Dance Academy. Mm. And she was like, yes, 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 do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so then I go home and then two weeks later I've got the website up. Yeah. I've just, you know, hit the nail on the head and just pushed through and, you know, ass, ass down, head down, ass yeah. up, yeah, yeah. working hard, getting it done and then um, next minute I'm advertising and Brogue Dance Academy's open. <laughs> and that was the end of that and it's just pursued ever since. But it's not the first time you've owned your own company? No. You, yeah. you had another arts and yes. event management company. Yes. Was that just before Brogger? Yeah, that was before Brogger. So yeah. that was the Angel of Dreaming. So with yeah. that, I was just freelance working. Okay. Um, so I did a, I, as I said before, I've dabbled in a lot of different things and experienced, um, tried to explore and experience different things. So I done photography. Um, I created my own digital online magazine, um, which was called the Indigenous Artist Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would run events. Um, and anything that I had the skills and the ability to do, I would just do a lot of freelance work through Need Angela Dreaming. Yeah. With, with Brogue Dance Academy, you, it almost is like you've come full circle of bringing all, um, all the things that have been important to you and all the bits that you've done and dabbled with yeah. um, into, into one place. Mm. Um, and the, the thing that you, you know, where we started our interview, you know, talking about that... Um, the ability to use dance as an expression of contemporary identity as well as, um, you know, understanding traditional uh, traditional cultural um, importance and, yeah. and history. How do you feel like all of that comes together for you? Uh, I think um, I use, I think, I think it's the vital point of what we do actually. Um, we we say that we do storytelling. Mm. You know, we provide a platform and a place for our young people to be, have their own voices and to be able to express their own stories through inf- um, traditional and contemporary dance. And the Aboriginal contemporary dance is an infusion of traditional and contemporary. Um, but we also provide opportunities for them to create a strong cultural identity within themselves. A lot of our kids, um, some of them don't have the opportunities to go back to country. Um, some of them don't have the opportunities to, you know, practice their culture on a regular space, but learn language and a whole bunch of other stuff because of the stolen generation and another other key factors that come into place about that as well. Um, so we're able to provide those opportunities and provide a culturally safe space for them to um, come in and learn about their culture. Um, not only do we do dance, we take them away on cultural camps. We do anything in regards to what our cultural customs are. We do weaving workshops, so they learn the tr- traditionally how we used to weave. Um, you know, we've got a couple of other exciting little things that are, um, I can't really talk about that are coming up <laughs> that they're going to be um, learning and practicing as well. We teach language in our class as well. Um, we have an un- un- and we share it on social media as well. So we also do every week we um, release a Gamilaroi word, um, and we call it Annie Bronwyn's word of the week. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
you know, we don't just keep it just for our, our, our students and, and everyone that's involved of the Brolga Fan Bam. We try to share with the wider communities as well as much as we can. So, you know, we, we really utilise our social media platforms um, to share our stories and to share what we're doing um, and to just provide that education of education to the wider community about our culture and instil that really strong cultural identity within our kids. Um, without that, you know, we, if they're strong in their culture, they are going to be so successful in our future mm-hmm. and our future is going to be so strong as a wider community as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what, that um, one of the things I've read, you said is that you um, feel like you're, you walk in two worlds. Yes. That you, you represent Indigenous identity but um, Australian identity. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's feeding into what you're saying, but do you want to, like, tease that out a bit for me? Yeah, so when I say that we work, walk into towards, it's about finding that balance. So you've got the white Australian law that we have to all follow <clears throat> and practice and, you know, and, and, and abide to. You know, our kids have to go to, you know, um, mainstream schools, um, you know, work and things like that to earn money. We have to live in this normal society world. But then we have our cultural law and customs on this side and, to, you know, to follow them and to make sure that we're doing the right things by us to, in order for our spirits and ancestors and, our, and our, our, our culture in that sense as well and making sure that that is at the forefront of everything we're doing in our identity um, and understanding that and knowing who we are as Aboriginal people or as Gamilaroi people or Marawari people or whoever we, where we come from. Um, so finding that balance really um, and that's what we try to do at Brolga to, to show them that you can, you can, you know, you can have them both. Yeah. You don't just have to follow one. We can, we can walk in both worlds. Um, and that's the beauty of, of growing up in the city. I was really able to learn how to do that. I'm not saying that I'm an expert at it now because I still learn every day, like we learn all the time every day, but really understanding that we can really share and practice and participate and, um, and educate and, you know, and have that and really have that showcased in our Aboriginal culture in that sense as well. Yeah. Um, and in terms of you representing yourself, yeah. do you feel like, you know, I know we've talked a bit about your style, but in terms of the way that you do get dressed, mm. like obviously you've got your beautiful earrings on today, yeah. which kind of express your Aboriginality, but mm. um, do you do you find that even the way you choose to wear clothes um, is an expression of walking between or walking yeah. in those two worlds? Yeah, well, I'm very big on supporting Aboriginal entrepreneurs and businesses. Mm. Um, like if you follow us on social media, I'm always wearing and supporting other Aboriginal small businesses and entrepreneurs in their fashion, whether it be um, clothes lines or, or whatever it is, artefacts yeah. or anything like that. I'm always about, you know, supporting and showing and just get it really getting behind that. Um, and I'm so proud of who I am and my culture. Mm. So why wouldn't I want to wear our, you know, what, our culture, our artwork, our, our designs and represent our people and our earrings and, and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's a real big part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, most days I include something that has Aboriginal culture or, or something that's come from an Aboriginal business that I'm, I'm wearing and showcasing as well. Mm-hmm. And it's always a good... Um, it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. Like people are always coming up to you and it's like, oh, my God, where did you get those earrings? Oh, my God, where did you get that beautiful top? So it's a great conversation starter yeah. because it's unique and different. Yeah. 
Um, and that's what I like about fashion. I like to be to wear it to wear something unique and something that's different. Yeah. Mm. But you you paired it with your very urban, yes. very street leather <laughs> vest today. Yes, the bandana. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mix and match. I don't follow the trend as I said before. I just create my own. <laughs> you look wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. These beautiful earrings that are, they're actually one of my favourites at the moment. Um, they're from Deadly Nest Designs. So you can yeah. find them on um, Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. And it's D E A D L E N E S then designs. Okay. Yeah. Great. So you, you, Jodie, you were speaking before about being away from your children, how important they are to you. Tell me about motherhood for you, especially given your skin name is Mother Earth. How has motherhood impacted you? Oh, um, motherhood has been the biggest blessing in my life. Mm. Um, at a very young age, not many people know this, but at a very young age, I was told I couldn't have kids. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I was 16 when I was told that I couldn't have kids. Um, so when I did fall pregnant um, with my first child at 21, um, it was just a blessing. And, and so, like, I really cherish being a mother. I really am grateful that I'm able to be a mother and I have four kids. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, if that sums you up in one sentence. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so I really take on being a mother very serious. Yeah. Um, and I learn so much from my kids. Like the, the conversations, the lessons that you learn about and you know about the different personalities and the characteristics of each of them mm. um it's just a blessing but not only am I a mother to my kids I'm a mother to a lot of extended other families and things like that yeah. um a lot of people when I go back to country call me mama jodes that's my name mama jodes mama, mama jodes yeah <laughs> yeah um so you know so it's it's really it's a it's a blessing and an honor to be seen in that light by so many different kids mm. um so yeah so I, I don't it's it's for me it's a big part of my identity of who I am Mm. it's it's a part of my spirit like I was born to be a mother and I'm so grateful that I am um and I cherish every moment that I can with my kids you know what I mean like I just want them to be the best versions of themselves they can be I'm all about you know supporting and letting them express themselves as many in in any way that they want Mm. um and following their dreams and passions and without them I wouldn't be half the person I am today. Mm. Mm. Do you, and do they have that strength and that, that will that you have been brought up with? You, yes, they <laughs> have the drive. Like um, they're all superstars in their own line. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them have been um, TV um, on TV or on Play School. Yeah, they've all you know they've all got promising careers in the areas that they want to do. Um, they're all dancers. Yeah. <laughs> Not that <laughs> I pushed them that way, yeah. but they just naturally become dancers and love the dance. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they, they, they've all got different traits and different personalities, which is great. Um, yeah, and they're just absolutely gorgeous. So I've got three girls yeah. and one boy. Right. Yes. And what's where does the boy fit in? Is he? He's the youngest. He's the youngest yes. baby boy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I finally got my boy. Yeah. Is yes. he on a pedestal with? Oh, everyone says he is, but I don't see it. <laughs> I don't. Think so. I have a, a. My youngest is a little boy, and I. Yeah. yeah I. Everyone tells me that I put him on a pedestal. Too, <laughs> I think I put all my kids on a pedestal, to be honest. Yeah. I think you do it in different ways, yes. don't you? And it's a, depending on their personalities. Mm, yeah. 
Um, so obviously you've got this lovely nourishing relationship with your children. Yeah. Have have you found that they redefined you, like, um, in any way? I think they're just a part of me. Mm. I think they're a part of who I am. Yeah. Um, our spirits are connected um, in that sense. Um, I don't know, it's so... I loved being pregnant yeah. with, with, with my yeah, Well, kids. your Mother Earth, of course, yes. you loved being yes. pregnant. <laughs> it was, you know, a lot of women are like, oh, I hated being pregnant. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. I actually... I just, I love the feeling of creating inside me. Yeah. Of, you know, of having something special and unique that was creating inside me. Um, but yeah, even, even I had beautiful labours. I don't think any of my labours were horrible. Yeah. They were quite fast. Um, that's probably why they weren't so horrible. But yeah, just I, being a mother to me is like everything. Yeah. I do a lot of the things that I do. Like I started Brogue Dance Academy so that my kids, you know, have something that they can take on when they get older if they want to. Mm. Um, some of them might not want to do it. But just building something for them and actually showing them that, you know, just you can do whatever you want to do. You don't have to follow the norm and go get your nine-to-five job. Mm. You know, if there's something that you really want to push for, just do it yourself. Don't sit there and let be a part of the talk. Be a part of the action. Yeah. Yeah. And are they dreamers as well? A hundred percent. Like one of um, one of my kids wanna, wants to be a brain surgeon. Okay. Um, but also be a dancer as well. Um, one of them wants to be an... Um, Anthropologist. Anthropologist, yes. Um, Yeah, they've all got different dreams and aspirations. One of them wants to do modelling and and dancing. So, yeah, the son, he's just... He's just going to be, he just steals the show. And they've all got different lights and, and, and um, they shine in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, so I just love that. Yeah. Mm. Um, our boys should probably have a party together. They'd have a good time, I reckon. <laughs> well, my, my son thinks he's a dinosaur like most times. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, you, that role of motherhood doesn't just extend to your own um your own birth children mm. you, it, it extends to your family yeah. and obviously then you all the work that you do yeah. um talking about that modern indigenous woman that you are yeah how do you see your role in help shaping the future of modern indigenous men and women i think doing what i'm doing mm. is, is 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 exactly what that's about um you know instilling a strong cultural identity in these from a young age like our kids that join Brolga start from five years old yeah um, and they go to 18 so it's a very important part of their of their of their um, identity of their transitioning especially from a young girl to a young woman or a young boy to a young man um, and supporting them on that journey and being a part of that and sharing in on that journey and being a part of the molding of them um, so I think what I'm doing is is in Brolga is actually going to better the future mm. for, for the wider community as well and for each individual. I'm so excited to see what these kids are going to do when they get older, you know what I mean? Because they're exposed to so many different elements, to so many different areas, especially within the arts industry. Like we do live performances. Um, we go out and we, you know, we go out on country. They're a part of different experiences and like this fashion series, Sydney Vivid, they're going to get experience and things like that yeah. as well. So they they really, their lens is being shifted in so many different opportunities and avenues that they take on. Like, is it lighting? Is it a sound man? Is it a cameraman? Is it a lighting, a, you know, an event manager? Um, do they want to just continue to be a performer? Mm. Do they want to start their own business? 
Um, so yeah, so really providing those opportunities to them to show them that there is so many different areas within the arts or within, you know, in a whole different um, bunch of genres that they can really follow and pursue. And so what, in your dream of the future mm. for your generation of kids coming through, mm. what does that look like? Like For me, yeah. I would love to see them go on and pursue um, their dance career mm. and come back and teach and take over Brolga. Yeah. Yeah. And for your wider community? For my wider community, same. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that we're working so on. Giving back. The, giving back. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that once they do leave Brolga, when they become 18, that, that's not door shut. Mm. Come back and teach. Come back and, you know, give back to the, to the younger kids. Be their mentor. Be their guider. Yeah. You know, share what you learn when yeah. you've left us with them and come back and share it with us. It's what we hope for. That's all what our we hope kids, for. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in terms of your future, what, what, what do you dream about now? Oh, well, for me, um, I really, I, my, my, like within my five-year plan in that sense, um, I want my own studio, my own dance studio. At the moment, we lease studio space. Yeah. I want, you know, a, a bus so I'm able to, you know, take these kids out because we hire buses at the moment yeah. to do the things that we do. Um, so, you know, there's a, a bit of short-term goals, but for I want to create um, to Broga Brolga to be um, a brand type thing, like a franchise type thing. So we have yeah. different Brolgas in different states, Brolga yeah. Dance Academies in different states and really span out so we can do a lot of community outreach and, and provide these opportunities to not just the communities in Redfern or Sydney, yeah. but provide those opportunities and build those platforms in other places as well. And those connections too, That's right. right. Yeah. 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 And what about you? Me? Yeah. Um, I think I am living my dream, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the next dream to come and see where it goes. Like, I, I don't, I never, um, I dream all the time. Like, I, I just, yeah. For me, at the moment, my, my focus is set in the foundations of this. Mm. Um, once I get this up and then we get broader, you know, spread out and things like that, you, you just, I just never know where it's going to lead me. Like so one day I could just wake up and be like, oh, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to yeah. start this or I'm going to go this way or take it to this direction or whatever. But another dream is to actually go international. Yeah. You know, really tour and, you know, provide these different opportunities where we can cross cultural exchange with other Indigenous cultures yeah. and provide those opportunities to the kids. So yeah, all my vision and all my dreams at the moment is based around Brolga yeah. because I'm really setting the foundations of what we do. We're only a very new company mm. and we've only been, we're going on two years in August this year. Right. So it's very fresh, yeah, very new. Yeah, yeah. The dream is still alive. The dream is still getting there, <laughs> still, you know, kicking it, building it, setting those foundations. Yeah. And, yeah, so once all that's sort of created, the other dreams will come into place yeah. and other visions. But already we're going in different directions that I didn't think that we would be going in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. Mm. And Mama Jodes, when she's like 70, 80 years old, what do you think she'll be wearing? Oh, Mama Jones, we're still rocking it, girl. Yes, I'll be still rocking it. I'll be still on the first one on the dance floor, last one on the dance floor, sitting around with the youngins thinking I'm young still, telling yarns, spinning yarns. Yeah, Mama Jones will never get old. Mama Jones will always be young at heart. Well, Jodie, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your style story. Thank Wonderful. you. Thanks for having us. If Jodie's understood as Mother Earth, her nurturing leadership and visionary eye certainly give rise to this title. Like her connection to country, Jodie's style is down to earth, grounded and takes pride in her culture. A doer and a dreamer, Jodie's story is defined not only by her unique ability to shine, 
but her power as a guiding light, allowing the style and story of future generations to shine even brighter.